Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting from verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Hello, everyone, and it's good to see everyone here today on this uh, rainy day. Um, My name's Michael. I'm the pastor at Chapel Hill, and we're in the third talk of our topical series called Finding More, to find how greater satisfaction, identity, meaning and hope is found in Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how we might find a meaning that suffering can't take from you. The question about what is the meaning of life is perhaps something that we don't regularly talk about, but I think it's something that we feel and yearn in our hearts every day. And it usually starts with alarm bell going off in the morning. Wake up, catch a train, go to work, stop for lunch, go back to work, end of day, catch a train, go home, have dinner, watch TV, go to bed, now repeat. That was my routine when I was in high school. And most of us, we are still doing the exact same thing as adults. The alarm goes off, wake up, catch the train, go to work, stop for lunch, go back to work, end of day, go home, catch a train, have dinner, watch TV, go to bed, now repeat. We have exactly the same routine as we were in high school. Nothing has changed except we're getting up earlier, we're more busy, we're more tired, And now, except we have more debt, we have more responsibilities and more pressure. This is the cry of the author of the passage that was read out in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The author of Ecclesiastes was searching for meaning in life and he tried everything to find it. He tried all sorts of pleasure. He tried all sorts of work. He searched all sorts of wisdom, and at the end of all his pursuits and experience in finding the meaning of life, he gives his findings. He gives his thesis, conclusion up front. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? The teacher looks at life. And all he sees is the daily grind that we experience. Life is on repeat. 
It's a daily grind. He looks at the world and even the world is a daily grind. The sun rises, the sun sets, now repeat. Water from the streams flow into the ocean, water is evaporated to the sky, the rain falls down on the streams and the water goes out to the ocean, now repeat. And just like the teacher of Ecclesiastes, we also come to a point in our life where we just say out aloud what we've been feeling in our hearts for a while. What is the point of all of this? How can I find meaning in the daily grind? And so in today's talk, we're going to look at two common ways we try to find meaning in our daily grind. One way is saying that there is no meaning in in life. The second way is creating your own meaning in life. And then we're going to consider how receiving meaning from Jesus can be more lasting and more satisfying. And throughout the talk, I will weave my own story on how I found meaning having faith in Jesus. So let's start with when people say there is no meaning in life. Some people deal with the daily grind by saying and believing that there is no meaning in life. They say, there is no meaning, so just stop trying to find one. There's no God who created us. We are not made for a greater purpose. We're simply tadpoles that have evolved over time, so we just simply exist. Harvard scientist Stephen Jay Gould wrote an article for Life magazine. He says, we are here because of one odd group of fish who had a particular fin anatomy that could transform into legs for terrestrial creatures Because the earth never froze entirely during the Ice Age, because a small, tenuous species arising in Africa a quarter million years ago has managed so far to survive by hook and by crook, we yearn for a higher answer, but none exists. By trying to live without meaning is actually unlivable. We need to have meaning to live. Atu Gawande, a surgeon and a medical health researcher, wrote a best-selling book titled Being Mortal. And in the book, he tells of a story of a man who was a director of a nursing home. And he says his patients in the nursing home were just withering and dying, and he needed to come up with an idea. So he had this idea to bring in dogs, cats, birds, so that the patients could look after these pets. Over the next couple of years, annual deaths reduced by 20%. Drug prescriptions went down by 50%. It was a triumph. Why? The director said people needed meaning in life, even if it's feeding a pet. Meaning is having purpose beyond yourself and making a difference. We just can't simply exist. We need a purpose and we need to feel like we're making a difference in order to have a reason to live. And this is not really hard to convince you because we all have this innate desire to want to live with a meaning and direction in life. And even when I was in high school, I was looking for meaning. So here's a really embarrassing photo of me and my friends. Uh, These are a bunch of friends. We, we, We did take a school photo that we paid extra, and we called ourselves the players with a Z. And I look at that and go, thank goodness I met Amy later in life. (laughs) And um, look at the guy with the water pistol. I mean, he's so hardcore, isn't he? I mean, 
That's an example of what happens when Asian teenagers listen to Tupac and 90s gangster rap. And so as you can see, I was your typical high school guy. I went through various phases. I went through a skater punk rock phase. I went through a raver dance party phase. And as you can see, I went through this Asian gangster Tupac West Side till I die phase, as you can see. But through it all, I was actually curious about finding the meaning of life. At a high school, I almost went, got into Buddhism. I had a friend who was learning and trying to practice Buddhism. And Buddhism was something that was quite familiar to me with my family's background. And so I started to read English translated text of Buddha's teaching to learn Buddha's way to life. But I actually didn't get too far with Buddhism and I stopped when my friend ended up leaving school quite early and later I found out that he left school to deal drugs and he ended up getting caught by the police. And so that ended my interest in Buddhism. But as Martin Heidegger, a German philosopher, made an accurate observation, he said, humans are the only living beings who wonder about the meaning of life. And so with religion aside, the only other option I really had in a high school was just try to figure out how to create my own meaning and purpose in life. And this is the typical experience of most people finishing high school, trying to figure out what your future life will be like without looking to religion, without looking to God. And if there is no God to tell us what our purpose is, then I guess we're free to create our own. And you can say the meaning of life is a choose-your-own-adventure. So the question then is, can you have a choose-your-own-adventure of meaning in life without God? Is it practically possible? And my answer is yes and no. Yes, you can, by definition, have a meaningful life without God. Because the meaning is a definition is having purpose and making a difference. And yes, you can have a meaningful life by being successful in your career. You can be meaningful by being a good spouse. You can be meaningful by serving a political or social cause, promoting a hobby. And it's quite even possible to find great purpose in the ordinary tasks of ordinary life. But I also want to say no and argue that created meaning is actually more fragile and more thin for two reasons. First, created meaning is more dreadful, and second, it's less communal. I know quite strong claims, so please let me explain. Firstly, created meaning without God is more dreadful. If meaning is created from only the things within this world and within this life, with no greater purpose beyond this world, we tend to ask this question over and over again. And it's this question, what is the point of it? What is the point of it? So for example, we can ask ourselves, what's the point of exercising? Well, the point of exercising is to maintain our health. Well, what's the point of our health? Well, it's so I can work. Well, what's the point of work? Well, so I can care for my family. Well, what's the point of caring for your family? And you can keep asking and asking, what is the point of this? What is the point of that? Until you get to a place where it is pointless. Why? Because in the end, if life is all there is and there is no God, 
and there is no meaning and purpose beyond me and this world, in the end, it doesn't really matter if you're a criminal or a philanthropist. It won't matter if you're fighting for poverty or if you're a cruel, greedy business owner. Because when you pass away, what you do won't make a lasting difference. And when you are gone, no one will remember what you have done. And the teacher in Ecclesiastes recognizes this. He says it in verse 11. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. If life is all there is, it comes to a point where it's pointless. Leo Tolstoy, one of the greatest Russian authors of all time, wrote his confession. And in his confession, he wrote something that happened to him when he turned 50. He said that he had a wife that loved him, he had good children, he had a large estate, he was a successful author, he was widely respected. However, he came to a place where he could give no real meaning to every single action in his life. And this is what he wrote in his confessions. I'll read it out aloud because it's quite a long quote. But he says, Today or tomorrow, sickness and death will come. It had come to many people that I love, but it will come to me, and nothing will remain but stench and worms. Sooner or later, my affairs, whatever they may be, will be forgotten, and I will not exist. Then why go on making an effort? One can only live when one is intoxicated with life, but as soon as one is sober, it's not possible to not see that it's all mere fraud or stupid fraud. There's nothing either amusing or witty about it. My question, which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions lying in the soul of every man. A question without an answer to which one cannot live. What will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why should I live for anything or do anything? It can also be expressed as thus. If there is any meaning in life that inevitably death cannot, that death waiting does not destroy. I also got to this dreadful point of seeing the pointlessness of my life when I was halfway through university. After high school, I was able to get into commerce at the University of New South Wales. And in my first year, I was excited, ambitious to pursue and plan out my career in IT and consulting. But by the second year of uni, I got sick and tired of having to work hard to keep up my grades. And as I really looked at my plan and my trajectory of life, it made me feel sick and tired to think about having to work hard to get that prized graduate position. It made me feel sick and tired to have to think about working hard to climb up the corporate ladder and get that nice house. It made me feel sick and tired to have to think about having to work hard to raise a good family. It made me sick and tired to keep thinking about working hard to get my kids into good schools and get them into uni, only for them to have to repeat the hard life that I had experienced. In the end, I saw that my whole life would literally end with a dead end. And I thought, what is the point of working so hard 
for all of my life if it only came to a dead end. And so I was very depressed. And during that time, that Asian gangster influence still carried through to my uni life. In high school, I, I had friends who were in street, street gangs. But in uni, I came across triad members. I met one triad member who was a part-time owner of a brothel in King's Cross. I met another triad gang member who was the grand master of a martial arts academy and would be a bouncer at a nightclub, but was very much entrenched in the gangster life. And during that time, I thought to myself, if life comes to a dead end, why do I want to be miserably working hard for the rest of my life? Why not draw, join the triad and live for myself, party and enjoy myself? But after partying hard, I just didn't enjoy it. It just felt empty, hanging out with these guys. And I saw before my life, there was two ways that I could go. The Asian gangster way, or be the good boy career guy, but both were not meaningful for me. I felt even more depressed. And that year was the year of September 11. It shocked the world, and I remembered on campus the day that after the planes had crashed into the Twin Towers, just how eerily silent everyone was on campus. It further drove it home just how dreadful and nauseating it is when suffering and death makes life meaningless if life in this world is all there is. Pain and hardship, suffering and death, it's dreadful. But what is more dreadful is to know that pain, hardship, suffering can render life meaningless to any kind of meaning that we try to create based on things in this world. The second issue with creating our own meaning is that it can be less communal. If everyone can create their own meaning, there's no greater absolute meaning that is transcendent, fixed and consistent across all people. If that's the case, then there's no basis to say that your meaning in life is right or wrong. You have your meaning, I have mine, so you can't judge me and I can't judge you. When we create our own meaning, we tend to put our self-interest first. Our pain, our pleasure, our existence, our joy is of greatest concern. And so there's no basis for self-sacrifice, no basis for self-giving, because if we just die, we should just make the most of it for ourselves. And if every individual seeks his or her own meaning, then we actually have very fewer shared values and meanings. If there's no absolute universal view of meaning and purpose in life, there's no shared view of what is the good life. And therefore, when everyone creates their own meaning, their own view of the good life, then it will erode community and our public institutions that serves for the common good of society. But if there's no common good, how can our public service serve our common good? And this leads to polarisation and fragmentation of society. But you might say, yes, our society doesn't believe in God. We all have the freedom to choose our own meaning. But our society is not fragmented and polarised. People in Sydney generally all agree on human rights, social justice, 
caring for the poor, looking after our mates, we have to observe that perhaps I think our society is becoming more and more polarised. But if you kind of say that, you know, we all have a common view of human rights and social justice that we all share, well, philosopher Frederick Nietzsche would say, you're just still being Christian and you just won't admit it. Because we can only promote and champion universal human rights, universal social justice, universal caring of the poor and the needy when we hold to an absolute universal meaning and purpose for life. And so the problem is that we instinctively and functionally know that an absolute meaning is good for us and for society, but we don't like having an absolute meaning imposed upon us, isn't it? We just don't like other people telling us how we should live. And so we push back on that because we want to have the freedom to choose our own adventure. So now I want us to consider... Christianity's view on the meaning of life. The Christian view of meaning is that there is meaning in life because God created us with a purpose. If God created us with a purpose, then we don't need to create our own purpose. We don't need to speculate what our meaning in life is. We simply turn to God and to receive our meaning in life because our creator and designer has done that for us. And when we turn to God to receive the meaning that he created for us, I want to argue that meaning we receive from God is less dreadful and more communal. A teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes, in his search for the meaning of life, he does end up finding meaning in God. See, at the very last chapter, in the last chapter, chapter 12, he says this, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. To fear God is to humbly that he is our creator, he gives us meaning and purpose. To keep his commandments is to obey his design and purpose for us. To accept that he is your creator and designer is to accept that he knows what's best for us. He's designed and determined what the good life is for us. Therefore, the creator and the designer can judge which meaning of life is right or wrong because he's created it. It's like when a barista sees a guy try to make popcorn from an espresso machine. I want to pick on Kevin today. So just imagine Kevin sees a guy trying to pop popcorn in an espresso machine. And Kevin says, look, the reason why your popcorn is of poor quality is because the espresso machine is not designed, it's not purposed to make popcorn. If you keep trying to make popcorn, you're going to make a mess of things and you're going to break the machine. You can't create your own purpose with an espresso machine. There are not multiple purposes with an espresso machine. There's only one purpose. It's designed to make coffee. It's the same with us. God as our creator has created us with one single purpose. And when we live in God's single purpose for us, not a purpose that's found in this world, life is actually less dreadful. In Ecclesiastes, a phrase that's repeated several times. So for example, chapter 2, the teacher says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. 
This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? We see this again in chapter 9. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already proved what you do. When you receive meaning from God, rather than trying to find or create a meaning from things in this world, you don't look at your work, you don't look at your home, you don't look at your relationships and achievements, you don't look at it and say, what's the point of this? And then be filled with dread to not find any lasting meaning in them. Instead, if your meaning is found in God, you look at your work, you look at your home, you look at your relationships and you look at your achievements, rather than say, what's the point of it, you say, thank you God, this is a wonderful gift that you've given me. I know that these gifts won't last forever and I know that these things won't have lasting meaning, but I can really enjoy them for the now because you're a good God that gives good gifts. Because my meaning in life is not tied to these things, it's tied to an everlasting God. And so when pain, suffering and death comes and perhaps takes away your work opportunities, it takes away your home, your relationships and achievements. But you don't lose your meaning in life. You may lose a good gift, but you don't lose your meaning in life. So I want to say that when you lose anything that is good in this life, it is dreadful. It's terrible. But if your meaning in life is in God, it's less dreadful because you don't lose your reason to live. So what is the meaning from God that suffering can't take from you? Well, Jesus came to earth to show us. And we read it in John, 1 John chapter 1. So if you've got the Black Bibles, turn to page 1898. Page 1898. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 John chapter 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word of life is a reference to Jesus. And the Greek word that's translated as word is logos. Logos philosophically means reason or purpose. So in other words, the reason of life, the meaning of life came to earth not as a set of books, but it came as a person in Jesus. And we know that Jesus did come to earth because the eyewitnesses heard, saw and touched Jesus. And the eyewitnesses wrote down their testimony and we can now read it in the Bible. And the eyewitnesses says that Jesus proclaimed that the meaning of life is to be in an eternal relationship with God. Verse 3, we read, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and is with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Being in fellowship, being in community with God and his people is what we have been designed and purposed for. That is the single purpose of our life. The meaning of life is to be in an eternal relationship with God. Having a loving relationship with God and with the others is what we have been purposed for. That is God's good life for us. But Jesus didn't come just to tell us what the meaning of life is. He came to die so that we can be restored and fixed to live the way that we are created to live. See, in our rebellion, we chose not to live God's way. 
we chose to live wrongly against our created design. And when we live against his purpose and his designs, we make a mess of our lives and we break our own lives. But Jesus came to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven of all the ways that we haven't lived according to his purpose so that we can be restored to live rightly in a relationship with God and others. Jesus didn't come to impose his meaning of life on us. He came to save us and fix us to live for what we've been created for, an internal relationship with God and with others. It's an internal loving relationship that no circumstances, no pain, no suffering and not even death can take from you. That year, when I was at university, a month after September 11, some Christian friends invited me to explore Christianity. And I attended a Bible talk where a speaker said something that really caught my attention. He said, what is the most important thing in life? Is it having money? Is it having achievements? Is it good health? Is it having relationships? And I thought for a sec, and I told to myself, money, achievements, good health, relationships. I said, I think relationships is the most important thing in life. I'd rather have relationships than be rich. I'd rather have relationships than be successful. I'd rather be even sick and not have relationships than to be alone. And the speaker said, relationships is the most important thing. I said, yes, I got it right. Then he said, but did you know that the most important relationship that you can have in life is a relationship with God? And I was struck with those two words, relationship and God. Those two words never, ever came together in my mind. I always thought that God was this distant person. I never thought that I could have a personal relationship with God. Now you might be asking, well, what's the point of having, or what's any good having a relationship with God? I've walked down memory lane this week and I've realised I've been a Christian for 18 years. For me personally, the difference in having a relationship with God through Jesus isn't just about having a purpose and direction in life. And it's even just not just feeling alone and isolated. A relationship with God is much more than that. My relationship with God has allowed me to make many friends and meet many wonderful people in God's family. My relationship with God has satisfied my desire to always learn. After 18 years, I continue to find more and more things to learn about God, more and more things to learn about the world, and more and more things to learn about myself from the Bible. My relationship with God has taught me to find honour and pleasure in sacrifice and service to others. My relationship with God has healed the wounds of my past. My relationship with God has given me a confidence to tackle my future. My relationship with God has changed me to truly love and continues to change me to truly love. Despite all the difficulties, heartaches and twists and turns in the last 18 years, the last 18 years has been the best years of my life. There's been times where it's hard and tiring, but it's never been boring and it's never been meaningless. Rather, it's been very full, I mean very full, 
and very fulfilling. A genuine relationship with God is nothing less than life-changing. You might have further questions, and I'd like you to ask those questions. And we welcome you to ask those questions at our Explore course, which we're going to run during lunch right after this service. This talk is just an introduction to the Explore course. The Explore course is a time where you can further explore the meaning of life that has come down to us in Jesus, to discover what we're created for, for ourselves. It goes for five Sundays, and if you're new to Chapel Hill, lunch is on us. If you're a regular Chapel Hiller, then you can also get lots out of the Explore course to just refocus, to realign your life to God's purpose for you. See, at the heart of the meaning and purpose for our lives is to have an internal relationship with God through Jesus. We are made for a meaning beyond this world, and we find it in Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that Jesus, the Logos, the purpose, the meaning of life, came to us as a person. To not have to search for a set of books, but to know that a person comes to find us. And so, Father, may we receive this meaning that comes from you to end our search for meaning in this world. To know that all of life can be summed up by having an eternal, loving relationship with God and it's made possible by Jesus' sacrifice and service to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.